You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. like some bad movie all right everybody mr wilson are you there i'm here and ready are you ready yes sir you're ready to rock and roll are you ready <laughs> you anyway yeah welcome to movie fantastic uh, I'm Scott, that's Joey, Hi. and tonight we're reviewing the Oscar-nominated film, The Power of the Dog. Yeah, we are full into our Oscar nominees, where we, every year, it's our excuse to watch, quote-unquote, good movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now um, sometimes those uh, opinions on what's a good movie differ, as you'll know if you watch our episode or listen to our episode on Drive My Car. Yes, if you haven't listened to that one, please go and listen to it. Even if you're listening to this one, go listen to that one first. Yeah. Then coming back and listen to this one. Because we got off to a bad start. Scott got off to a good start. He liked the fucking thing. <laughs> Me. So. I wanted. I just wanted to repeatedly stab myself in the leg. <laughs> so. So this is the second Oscar film we're reviewing, and it's also the second film we're reviewing that I had no interest in watching before watching it. Same here. Absolutely. So, Same here. Um, by the way, uh, my background is not the uh, half-naked um, Cumberbatch, because I didn't want to distract you. But uh, the, the, sl- the cover for YouTube will be the half-naked Cumberbatch. So. Oh, sweet. So, like Drive My Car, and this is something I didn't address in that review, way too much fucking nudity for me. <laughs> I, I'm not a prude. If I want to see nudity or sex, there are plenty of places to go for that. I've got stockpiles. Believe me. I just, I just, I don't, I mean, yeah. Hey, Steve Soderbergh, was this enough sex for you? Fuck you. <laughs> and I know he just said that to trigger people and make people respond, but I still got to say something. That's the last, and that was when I was still watching. What, what was that for? I, I, I think I he missed that He said he didn't entirely. like superhero films because nobody was fucking in them. Like, okay, did he, how many did other he films? pretty much say it like that, or was he, like, yes. beating around the book? Really? No, he pretty much said it like that, but it's Steve Soderbergh. I mean, he... They're I, superhero I, I, films. They're PG-13. What, is, what, does he, what does he want? Yeah, go figure. Yeah, again, like I said, it's a non-argument. He's just, he's just looking for a headline because, you know, his films don't get that much attention. No. Uh, Contagion did because we actually had a... Uh, uh, you know, an infectious disease. I, that, I don't know about uh, you, but that's the one plot line I'm not watching anything for. If a film or show comes out, we can. I'm like, fuck you. Last thing I'm fucking watching. Blow me. You know, when 
Except for zombies, but you know. That's well, weird. that's different. Um, but when when COVID uh, hit in China, and when it hit in China, it started to gain some exposure around the world. Would you? Did you know that Contagion became like the number one streamed movie um, when that when when COVID hit in China? I believe it. And, and, I, and I bet you that the streaming services were fucking pushing it. Oh, I'm so, positive yeah. that they were. Anyway, I don't want to. We, we don't want to get sidetracked because nope. we're, we're trying to keep the Oscar episode short. Yes. And I'm running trying, that gin. Trying to, <laughs> we're trying to keep them thirty to forty-five minutes max. So, so we are reviewing uh, the Power of the Dog, nineteen. Uh, excuse me, twenty twenty-one film. It's up for Best Picture and a few other ask, a few others. And uh, it's actually one of the the big ones, right? It's, it's like, uh, like this is. Sleepers. I I want to say it's up for twelve. I think this got the most nominations. It's one of those, yeah. It's one of the big ones. Twelve uh, sure. Oscars, which um, pretty much puts it as the forefront. Yeah. You know, favorite to win. So, so right. we can go over all these nominees too because there's there's a lot of them. Yeah. So um, it's it's a the the movie is an adaptation of a 1967 western novel, and it really shows because. <coughs> uh, um, I did not read the novel that this is based on. <coughs> However, I have read Western novels, and there's some really good ones in that time period. I mean, that's really when you know when the the, the good ones are out there. Uh, and again, I'm I'm not an expert on Western uh, novels of that time period. I just play one on TV. There you go. Right, but um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna say this right now. Spoilers. Well, there are going to be spoilers. Oh, f- this one specifically. If you haven't seen it, why the fuck are you watching a review about it? Yeah. Turn um, the fuck off. Idiot. Idiot. Whether people enjoy this film or not, mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch, he is fucking great in this movie. Yeah, because it's Benedict Cumberbatch. But no, but no, but... But like just but even the way he match. even the way he speaks, like he's talking to his brother and he's like, you know what today is? And his brother is like, um, I'm not sure. Twenty five years. What? Twenty five years. He's like back nineteen hundred and nothing. Yeah. And, you know, because the movie takes place in 1925, but he right. didn't have to say it like that. But he does. And it's I found myself. Just now, completely enthralled, and just any time he spoke, and any time right. he did anything on screen, I, I would be someone to point out that that was probably a scripted line. So I would give well, him full credit for that. I'm not yeah, giving no, 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 no. Awesome I'm not giving him credit for that. I'm not dude, saying he 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 improvised. Dude, I'm dude, saying that he acted, like he was given the lines, made you care about what he right. said. Let me let me just let me end this with one question. Yeah. Name one bad performance by benedict cumberbatch no i got i got none there so we're done with that moving on <laughs> come on <laughs> no I, I agree with you no he, he he's fucking awesome in this but he's awesome in everything it's almost boring talking about how awesome he is this is the... actually actually i did not like him uh as um uh, oh uh, i know who you're gonna say star trek yeah yeah um, i didn't like him i didn't like him as con con no, but i didn't hate him miscast. as con no didn't... i did miscast totally as con uh, didn't care for it. No, uh, but that, but that's not his fault. No. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, take it away, sir. So uh, the film. So um, 
what was it, Romulus, Phil, mm-hmm. Phil, and his what was his brother's name, George. Um, Phil and George. Phil and George. They are very successful, wealthy ranchers um, who learned how to do this stuff from a character who you're introduced to from the beginning, named um, Bronco Henry. Henry Bronco. No, no, Bronco, Bronco Henry. Henry. Bronco Henry. Um, and I thought I was gonna fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got. I'm. I'm a self-diagnosed dyslexic. Sorry. No. Well, no. 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 But honestly, <laughs> uh, like every time, every time I went the, I, I was like, I'm gonna say Bronco Billy. I'm gonna say Bronco Billy. Bronco. I'm gonna say Bronco Billy. <laughs> uh, but no, Bronco Henry. Bronco Henry. So he taught Phil and George how to ranch, how to be, you know, how to how to cowboy, how to be ranchers, and how to do it successfully, and how to do it well and make money, which is exactly what they did. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, George owns the 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 entire uh, all of it, the ranch, everything. And well, they they, they both kind of do, and they're, they're well, they do, it. they both and do, they're, and they're taking it, and it's being handed down to them from by, from their parents. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like you could tell that they're wealthy because it's 1925, and George drives a car. Right. Uh, which was it's a luxury item that most people did not have at that time period. Yeah, well, um, this is the whole cattle baron. Yeah. Know, that time it and it's 19 that it's 1925 period. montana right um but also you know phil benedict cumberbatch's character he berates george at any chance he gets they're brothers he's a bully he's, he's a bully very much he's, so he's i mean rough crass you know your typical you know he berates him any chance he gets he calls him fatso probably 10 times during this movie um and five of those times is probably in the first 10 minutes it's a term of endearment of course yeah you yeah. know it, it happens right. um so the story goes that they're herding some cattle and they end up at um, like a pub slash watering hole, whatever you want to call it. And George is taken with the owner, Rose, which is placed, uh, played by Kirsten Dunst. And, of course, Phil immediately is just rude to everyone. <laughs> at one point, they're singing and dancing on the piano, which is the shot that Scott has in his background. Where he's like, you stop that music or I will. <laughs> um, and it's just and, very and powerful. Mocks, and he openly mocks uh, Rose's um, effeminate um, teenage son. Right. Oh, what's his fucking name? Peter. Pete, Peter. Pete? Pete. Pete. Yep. Mocks him. He with the greasy hair and the serial killer eyes. Oh, that comes into play later. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, this is also written and directed by Jane Campion, which was adapted from um, this that, novel of the same name, though. Or is it called um, something else? I, I don't. Uh, if it's important, I'll look it up. But uh, I don't know. It might have it in. Uh, I, I I know. I, uh, Thomas I Savage based. Uh, I think the novel is it's got the I same think it's name. The same name. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I would so have to do with it. Yeah. Uh, let, and, and let me say, I, I, I'm biased in this, but knowing that it's it's adapted from a 60s Western novel mm-hmm. uh, makes me appreciate it more. I, I don't want to sound sexist or bigoted or stupid, uh, but I'm going to. Because uh, I looked at Jane Campion's past films. Uh, I think the biggest one of note would be The Piano. Yes. And it's not my genre. Uh, same here. I, it's so, just... yeah, I... Not, not I can I well listen. Not, I I respect the films that she makes, you know. 
I do. I won't go that far, but I'll, I'll say but I'm, I, not, I'm not saying she's a bad director or anything. No, 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 no. It's just it's not my cup of tea. Right. So this film, uh, I wasn't looking for. I didn't want to see it. I, I briefly read the description. The description doesn't really clue you into the film, though. It makes no. it, it makes it sound a bit more like a romance. It also makes it sound. Well, here, this is the description, and I'm I'm going to read the description, and then I'm going to explain it. So the description is charismatic rancher Phil Burbank, because they also talk about how he's Harvard educated. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Charismatic, charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments him until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. Yeah, romantic triangle, right? Right. right. So That's you're thinking, thinking it's Phil, it's his brother George, and Rose. Right. They don't even mention the... I, it's just... Yeah. So yeah. it's totally misleading, and I never saw the trailer. Uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't bother. I, I, I prefer to do that because I like to go in blind. Me too. Um, so I this, too. I, I have to say, the one film that kept popping up in my head uh, during while watching this, especially at the end, uh, was The Beguiled. Is that Clint Eastwood? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it, I, it, I, I'm not saying it's similar, but it just kept, for me, it kept that film kept coming up in my in my brain while I was watching this. Um, so. So George, base it the, the, the main focus on the film is loneliness. Yeah. Uh, loneliness. Uh, what else? Um, honestly, I'm surprised. We paired. Uh, we we record two episodes a night for Oscar season because fuck ten ten fucking best pictures, huh. and yeah. we paired Drive My Car with Power of the Dog, and holy shit, they're both about um, uh, relationships, communication, lack of communication. Uh, but this one has a bit more of that repressed. Um, right. I mean, we initially we initially paired them because we just assumed that Power of the Dog was going to be this romantic they both uh, kind wives. of struggle. Yeah, 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 and they both involve wives. And then Drive My Car, it was, you know, he loses his wife. And it's right. just like, we're like, okay, this is a good match. But you're right. It is more of a match th- than we expected. I think my specific reasoning was, in Drive My Car, he loses a wife. In Power of the Dog, he gains a wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get really, you, sometimes you got to stretch those last couple of connections. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, basically, the main characters are Cumberbatch. George, his brother, is 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 important for contrast, but he's not really an important character. Right. I mean, he's a rancher. He... That's Beth Damon, who of course is actually married to Blanchett. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesse Plemons. Uh, is the actor's actual name, but he's he's a rancher and he does everything well. But you can tell that his brother Phil is just better at everything. Also, between the two of them, Phil like thrives in this whole idea of masculinity and rough work, and like that's his that what he's into. Phil, however, has kind of gotten. But George, however, has kind of gotten beyond that, and he wants he's t- you know he feels lonely. He's like right. you know I so you know he he wants a wife he wants you know he wants to meet people he wants to do things he wants to have dinner parties and and phil's like yeah i want to i want to i want to castrate steer with my bare hands <laughs> well you don't wear gloves well four it's not necessary <laughs> don't need them <laughs> i love that line when he goes back and forth with george he goes castrate 1500 head you nick your hand you nick your thumb on the last one <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought that was just a great, yeah, of course. It was just a great line. Yeah. Um, no. But yes, and, absolutely foreshadowing. And, but then, and I, have, and I have no doubt that most of the dialogue is directly from the novel. I hope I'm right because I wouldn't. Well, knowing knowing Jane Campion, it it is. Yeah. Oh, I well, I don't not that familiar with her work. So no, she's pretty good at at adapting. You know, again, her work is not my cup of tea, and, but I can right. respect it. It and um, uh, I, I, it actually shows because, like, it's good. Yeah. And it, it feels like it was written that time period. Um, so the other two main characters uh, are. Uh, George is really the catalyst that brings them into the world is Rose, his wife, and her effeminate, uh, creepy teenage son, uh, Pete. So the triangle isn't between Phil, George, and Rose. It's between Phil, Pete, and Rose. Yes. Now, all right. So, but hold hold on. So George marries Rose. Correct. So they meet at her place and... George gets. He does it. He, he does he, it secretly. He doesn't even tell Phil. He doesn't tell her. Uh, tell him. Phil's not going to like it. No, he's. <laughs> Phil doesn't like a lot of things. Well, um, well what's, what's, Phil is obviously Phil's jealous because he's losing his brother, right? Who's his, who's go, who's who's drifting away from his way of life, and at the same time, he's also jealous uh, about the relationship because um, he's a big gay cowboy. That's the thing I did not expect coming into the film was uh, the gay cowboy thing. So uh, it was I a mean, surprise. That's that's, all. that's 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 a way to put it. Yeah, I wouldn't. What what other way? We we've been here. We've been we've been in gay cowboy territory before. Yeah, I get that, but yeah, wow, so it's, it's just not such a crude way to this. Anyway, what? He's a big gay cowboy. Okay, well, let's go back to what you told me in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so he's taken with Rose, but also because Phil insults his son, which you mentioned earlier. George hears her crying um in Consoled. while he's you know while he's in his room and he consoles her and the next day she's preparing food but Pete's not around, so he helps her out with dinner service and all that stuff. And then you could see that's where, you know, things start and where he starts to fall for her. Right. But you know the term "driving you drive me to drink" comes actually into play in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because right. Phil he's such an asshole, and he's just so rude and just so tormenting towards well, Rose because you know he feels that she is is like you mentioned stealing his brother well, and is jealous that, of also. of the love affair that they have and all well, of that. Yeah, I mean, he's jealous because his brother is able to achieve something he cannot. Correct. Correct. Right. And that's also the reason why he outwardly, uh, you know, um, taunts and uh, belittles and bullies uh, the effeminate son because it's just it's it's lashing out at something that he has to deny himself. And there's a bit of jealousy in that, too, I I believe. Um, The jealousy of that, you know, that this kid can act the way he does when I can't. Yeah, and, and so there's a lot going on. She because earlier in the film she talks because people come into her uh, establishment for food and they drink wine and she's very against drinking and what ends up happening is Phil torments her so much she becomes an alcoholic. Right. 
uh, of like a really bad one where she spends an entire summer in the house and she's coherent so seldom. Right. So, um, spoiler alert again. I just got to say it sometimes. I, I feel like, yeah. really, you know, if you're that stupid at this point, stop it. But anyway, spoiler alert. Um, you call our listeners stupid? My, what? <laughs> just call our, our listeners stupid? No, I'm saying if you're listening to this and you're so shocked that we're spoiling stuff, you're stupid. That's okay. all. Okay. You know, basically anybody that hears me say spoiler and goes like, oh, what? Uh, but my biggest complaint about the film. Yes. Opening voiceover. So. What the fuck is that about? What? It, tips the, it tips the hand of the whole movie. It does. It does horribly, horribly. What fucking psycho? Actually, no, it was Jane Campion. Sorry. Um, why would she do that? Um, she does it because I feel at that point in time, because the son is talking about how he wants to make his mother happy. Right. You've already given away the ending. Not in that exact second. No, you have. You've because given if away you, the ending. Well. Because I know he's going to do something to protect his mother. You've already fucking given that. You've already given up the fucking big reveal at the end. You've given it up. You don't know that immediately, though. I, I, I you, you kind of, it, it directs your focus to expect an out. It sets expectations. It does. I mean, listen, listen. When I heard it in the beginning, it was like, okay, obviously this is this is going to come into play in some way, you know, but. It does steer you in a direction towards the end of the film. Not that, listen, I was expecting it, like the way this movie ended. I really was. Um, you know, when when he cut his hand open mm-hmm. and when the, the kid did not offer to sew it up because he's studying to be a surgeon. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty deep gash. And he's like, doesn't offer. It's like, yeah, I can sew that up easy. Like, he doesn't offer it. I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Like, I understood because yeah. throughout the movie, the son, like, he gets a rabbit, shows it to the mom, and she's like, oh, it's so cute, blah, blah, blah. And then later on, you find out, not too much later on, like, a couple of scenes later, you find out that he's dissected this thing. And the mom is like, oh, you can't do that in the house. He goes, listen, I'm going to be a surgeon. I need to, to do these things. Late, you know... Uh, in today's day and age, if your child is finding animals uh, and or roadkill and is dissecting them, uh, you, that is a uh, that is a clear sign that uh, they may be a serial killer. Uh huh. See, I I liked I, I love the scene where uh, they get the rabbit and it's got a broken leg and 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 uh, Cumberbatch is like, yeah, yeah, guess you'll have to put a dent, you know, put out his misery, and he's expecting him not to do it, and he's like consoling it then you start to click and his face is like holy shit what the fuck <laughs> it's like dude that wasn't your clue <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so you, you you you're you're exposed to this kid is very silent and very very quiet and very in his head uh but you know early on you show that he has a great affection for his uh dead father and without the fucking voiceover at the beginning you know he has a great affection and concern for his mother and that right. he's also you know, quite, quite gay. Um, 
not not that that's a bad thing, but it's obviously that's no, why the obviously not on a him, bad thing. and that's why Cumberbatch picks on him. So, well, the thing um, is too, when Cumberbatch, so what happens? So if you fast, I know we're jumping around a lot, but the the kid finds this like little cavern, and there's oh, all these Benedict, like Benedict Cumberbatch's secret spank cave. Yeah, I was getting to that. Uh, which a bunch of the magazines say Bronco Henry on them, so they were mm-hmm. his magazines, which then Cumberbatch Phil has basically inherited. And there's a scarf that belonged to Bronco Henry, which he's, you know, he's like rubbing on his face affectionately, and then and starts other uh, starts masturbating. That's one know. of the slides in the slideshow. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you you get the notion. That point, he loved in, Bronco Henry more than just a mentor. Right. By the time you get to the waterhole sequence, which, oh, by the way, uh, we can file the power of the dog under, watch this if you want to see Cumberbatch's dick. <laughs> Listen, if you're in a Jane Campion film, it's pretty much you're the law. You're showing your dick, yeah. It's pretty much I, the law. You know, compared to how much Harvey Keitel showed his, this is nothing in comparison. Correct. I give, I, 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 I give you that. But you got to show it in some way, even a little bit. Right. But basically, once you get to Cumberbatch um, caressing his face with uh, Bron- uh, Bronco Henry's um, scarf in, in the in the shade, it's like we're into big gay con- character, big gay cowboy territory, and you know this is going to be an underlying theme. In the uh, you know we we haven't come this far just for that just to ignore this. So we we, we know we we've, we've now thrown a, a a common denominator into the mix between him and Pete. Right. Right. And so this is where we see it. This is where you start to feel for him. Because up to this point, you're just like, yeah, he's a fucking dick. But then well, now he's like, yeah. Oh, well, sorry, Pete finds, he finds his stash and then wanders out and sees Cumberbatch bathing in the water with the scarf tied around his neck, you know, and yeah. Phil scares Pete away. He's like, get out of here, you know. But then after that, he realizes that, that Pete has seen a side of him that nobody else knows. Right. So, so befriends him. Right. So just to clarify, so there's like five acts in the film, and there's uh, each um, each act is separated by a space of time. So in between the time where uh, Cumberbatch is, uh, chases Pete away from his secret spank uh, cove, um, <laughs> and when he starts to try to befriend him, right. this is the time period in which he starts going to college and he's back for the summer. Right, right. Right, so Pete is now out in the world. You know, he's actually doing things. And he's at college and he's coming back. And um, and uh, he and his mother hate Phil. So Phil's suddenly like, hey, uh, we got off on the wrong foot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make friends. And Phil's like, oh, and, and Pete's like, oh, yeah, this is going to end in your death. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the thing is, too, Phil offers to make him a rope, right. which kind of alludes to at certain points especially when they're going out on these trips and the the heavy you know orchestral music is playing it's like he's gonna hang this kid mm-hmm. but probably not oh, yeah there was one point where i thought he was gonna hang him yeah yeah so he mentions finding his father hung too and i was like oh is that gonna come up somewhere right so i mean that's all strategically put in there to kind of move you away from where the the, the right. movie is actually going to go Right, and it, here's where I'm going to give Jane Campion, even though it's adapted, so it's not really... I, I haven't read the source material, so I don't know who to give credit to, but I'm going to give it to her. Why not? The other guy's dead. 
Um, <laughs> when he takes Pete out on their little like sojourn together, right? So we can try to bond with him. Um, they they have a dis- brief segmented discussion about like what life is, and Phil says that Bronco Henry told him that life was um, patiently enduring what life gives you. And then Pete says, uh, my father told me obstacles and how to remove them. And that right there is the whole fucking film. Yeah. I mean, it, that it really they, is. They both summed themselves up in that moment and they, they both warn each other. This is what I do. And he's like, this is what I do. <laughs> and, 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 and it's a beautiful scene. It's a great scene. Yeah. I, I ended up in, I ended up enjoying this film and respecting this film. Something I didn't expect because I thought it was just a stupid fucking love triangle. And th- th- something that irritates me is the more and more I think these days about historical romance novels. What the fuck are women thinking? <laughs> oh, oh, the pirate. So romantic. Yeah. You know how stinky it is living for six months on a boat and dying of scurvy? Are you fucking insane? Oh, the media. Oh, Scotland in the 17th century. Yeah, it's great. Your life expectancy is in the mid 30s. What the fuck? Yeah. And, and just think about. And, and no one bathes. No one bathes before the 19th century. Yeah, no. All right? Just, just, just fucking, just fact. Before the 1900s, nobody bathed. That's it. Yeah, sporadically, but as a whole, if you do the math, it's not even negligible. No, no. It wasn't even. Right. It might so, have been a once every two months kind of thing. So, so this is my attitude going into this film. <laughs> I was, and, and I mean that even comes to play in the movie because George goes to Phil. He goes, "Listen, I'm having the mayor. I'm having mom and dad. They refer to them as the old lady, um, and uh, I think the old man. But yeah. and of course, um, the 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 mayor's wife and." George tells Phil, he goes, uh, listen, there's no easy way to say this. He goes, would you just spit it out, your, your talker? Like, like, it's just like, it's just like really good lines uh, that, that he, he did really well. Well, again, and I really, I, I, they resonate where I feel like they are authentic to the novel from the 60s. I really yeah. don't think they changed much dialogue. Probably not. So then George basically says, listen, she's probably not going to be, you know, too thrilled if you don't come to the table washed. And then later on, George goes to find Phil, and he's like, we're all waiting for you. We're waiting, you know, for your conversation. And he said, I'm not coming. And he goes, what am I going to tell them? You could tell them that I don't like to bathe and I enjoy the stink. (laughs) So he basically goes back and says something else, but it's like lines like that. It's just like, yeah, I don't want to bathe. You know, the the first... uh the uh, beginning of the film, the first time that those two talk, it's through a door, which shows the separation of the two brothers. Right. Uh, and also, um, in that opening, it just occurred to me now how much it shows the the that whole opening scene is masterfully supposed to show the, the two different characters and the what's separating them. Literally a door, a wall at this point. Uh, but um, Cumberbatch is like dirty, playing the banjo, and. Uh, um, uh, Matt Rose. Damon is in the bathtub. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Right. So um, I forget what he called it, like an indoor pond or something weird like that. Oh. He, I I just tried looking it up uh, and I can't find it. But I don't remember. But it was something. Uh, it was something very um, Beverly Hillbillies. Because <laughs> because he asked Cumberbatch through the doors. He ever he ever basically asked him. He ever used the bathtub? He's like, nah. 
And that was the end of the conversation. He didn't call it like the watering something, did he? It was like it was it was something like the indoor pond, something weird like that. I, I forget now, and I'm probably my mind has probably already twisted it into a fucking hillbillies thing. But uh, but basic, but that that just really communicates the whole point of them. I right. mean, there's that one scene where Cumberbatch. That's when you see Cumberbatch's dick is when he's like rubbing his body with mud. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um. The film's great in showing, uh, uh, I mean, the characters, the dialogue's very authentic. The characters really shine. Kate Blanchett is a mess the entire fucking film. It's there's not, really it's two, not there's Kate two. Blanchett. It's Kirsten Dunst. Same thing. Uh, not the same thing. <laughs> Roughly. Really um, not. There's, there's like two scenes where she's washed. Everything else, she looks like death warmed over. She's Bless just, her for that. She's a fucking alcohol, like a bad alcoholic. Right. Well, like hiding I, alcohol around the house. Well, and and um, I, I think uh, Kristen Dunst is the one. Um, I, I've, I've read it somewhere that that her or somebody else had said that they wanted to define the moment of when she becomes an alcoholic, and it's that one scene after he breaks up the the party and he, and he makes fun of her for not being able to play the piano that well. Oh right. And after everybody leaves, she just grabs that drink and. <laughs> <laughs> And from that point, it's it's the lost weekend. Bottles are hidden everywhere. She's out in the fucking wood bin. And, she, <laughs> and so, I mean, and Cumberbatch is really, they he's good at playing a complex character. And this is a very complex character. You really, at the, you hate the guy at the same time that you feel for him because you know why he's lashing out at her. But at the same time, he, he makes her an alcoholic and then complains to everybody that she's an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> Dick move. So and like the, and and he is what he is smarter than everybody else. Oh, very much, much so. Yeah. But and and he's used to that. Except the kid. <laughs> well, that that so that's why he that's why he totally fucking and they they do that two times where the kid surprises him. The one time was with the rabbit, and the other time is with the, uh, the mountainside the mountainside thing, yeah. which was honestly beautifully shot scene. I, and I, I, I had, it's one of the slides. I thought it was a great scene. Yo, yeah, no. But, but it's like he's—he doesn't realize he—he's—he's—he is—he um, is uh, underestimating Pete the same way that everybody else underestimates him. Yeah, and and, and that's probably and why he starts—he's—he's more drawn to him. I think it's the gay thing, really, more than anything. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, no, no, seriously. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not well, um, like, yeah, no, I, right. Well, so well, he doesn't. He doesn't realize this kid's well, smarter than. Well, him. because also the parallel between him and Hen, uh, uh, Bronco Henry is the is pretty much the same. When Bronco Henry was, you know, mentoring him, he was about the same age as Pete. That's what he told them. Oh yeah, as far as the age. Difference so he and all sees that, yeah. the similarities in that too. That well, you know, yeah. Bronco Henry took him under his wing. He He's attempting to do the same thing with Pete. Yeah, right. What he doesn't realize is that Pete is already... And also that, that, that same scene where they're under the tree talking that I mentioned before with their, their how they view the world, uh, there's that one part where he's talking about his dead father and Pete says, yeah, he, he was afraid I was... Uh, I, I wasn't... Um, kind. He, he too, I wasn't... No, no. I was too kind and not strong enough. Too strong. No. Said, oh, too strong. That's right. Too strong. Too, he was afraid I was too strong. I was not kind enough and I was too strong. And Cumberbatch is like... Father got that one wrong. It's like, <laughs> and then he looks at him like, do you know what I do? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to find out. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the film's, I, and that's why I despise that opening 
uh, voiceover because it really just takes all the power, just like Drive My Car. Another similarity between these two, the films inadvertently just take power away from the film by tr- by foreshadowing for us like we're fucking morons. Both films, both of them lose their 10-star rating specifically for that reason. Well, first one for a different reason for that, me. That's but... the first star off. That's the first star off, okay? Give me this credit. All right. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's fast forward to... I guess we we're fast forwarding pretty much to the... The, yeah, the big so, reveal, so, right? So, so everything everything feeds on each other. So uh, he's he's gotten he, he's gotten under Rose's skin so much that when some Indians come by looking for pelts, she gives away uh, her hide. She gives away all the hide because everybody says, "Well, he just burns it when he's done." You know, but they don't know that he's 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 really really passionate about making this fucking rope for the kid. So when he comes back and finds out, he blows up. And and I, I want to underline here. I hope you agree with me on this. Okay. Earlier in the film, the kid by himself comes across a, a cow with anthrax, bleeding asshole for the Oscars, <laughs> and cuts out a huge section of, of hide. The hide. Wearing gloves, by the way. Wearing gloves because he knows it's anthrax. Yeah. Right. And so. Oh, I, I, oh the scene please. is just—it's coming—is on the screen right now. <laughs> Could not have timed that better. So, please, I, I'm sure you agree with me. That even though he does that, then the murder is not premeditated. No, he during, he planned to do it a different way. I'm sure. Well, what I'm saying is during this during the sequence, um, he's actually coming to understand uh, Phil as well. I mean, Pete's coming around a bit as far as like he knows who this person is to an extent. But when they come back and they find out the hide's gone, Phil's ready to flip, and he's he's like trying to get George the divorce rose and everything and you see Pete outside pacing back and forth and staring at the hide and stuff and that's when it clicks like I have to do this yeah no 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 it's a turning moment right so it's not like this was all planned it's not like oh you know from stage one this was going to happen but that's the turning point was like okay now I gotta fucking end this um and everything after that is so suspenseful because you know what's happening right uh, and again, it's all done through direction. I mean, the dialogue explains a lot of stuff, but Jane Campion has taken a book and she's translated it to the screen and she's communicating stuff through the visual uh, that is not described orally. I know that sounds like a stupid simplification, but like that scene where, where he comes back. So the kid leaves, he looks at the, he looks at the hide and then he, he comes back in a short while later with rubber gloves on and he takes one off and he, and he, and it's like, the, I think it's the first time he's really touched Phil. Right. And it's all, and they really close in on that. And there, so it shows like the emotion involved, but, and you, but you know what he's fucking doing. It's, it's masterfully shot. Very much so. Very, I mean, it, yeah. obviously the dead giveaway is wearing gloves, a around the animal that is obviously diseased. And then B wearing gloves when he's handling the hide as well. So once the hide is taken off, if it was not a diseased animal, you wouldn't have to wear gloves. But the fact that he is, it gives that 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 notion that he's up to something. Yeah, and it, and, and it's also how the film explains at the end what happened without a single word with exactly although the opening dialogue brings it full i know i know you don't like it 
But you got to remember, it's in there. It's in there for people who listen. We we, we we can spot things. We can spot things, and it's like, listen, I could watch. Someone could tell me something about a movie, and I'd be like, shit, I you taught you said too much. Now I know exactly what's going to happen. Much like hearing the opening feeling. dialogue had like we were both like something's gonna happen like it's just when is when we don't know when but we heard the the opening narration we're like okay we get i get it something right. is happening from this much like sleeping with somebody underage what ignorance <laughs> is not an excuse oh all right my god you you cannot understand why the opening's bad but it doesn't make it right well no of course not that's all i'm saying if it doesn't bother you, great. But it bothers the shit out of me because it's not needed there, and it and it and it detracts from the film. Um, you know, I mean, we've had this conversation in the past about. Uh, it, I mean, it could have been worse. They could have like taken the middle of the film and shown it first, or the ending and shown it first. You know that that trick. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's, it's lazy for Jane Campion to throw that in there. I feel it's lazy. I maybe uh, I don't know. I just I don't like it. No ten for you. No ten. <laughs> but I mean, but 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 seriously, I I didn't cry at the end like I did with Drive My Car. But I mean, the end was uh, also. Did, did did you catch? I mean, I don't know if it was intent. It probably was intentional. Did you catch how like when he leaves the house, it's the first time you ever see him in a suit, and it looks like he's dressed for a funeral. Uh, yes, I did notice that. I'm like, oh man, he's he's yeah. dressed. He's dressed to the nines. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I, beautiful direction in this film i mean now so uh i mean i mean we've talked at the death uh oscars that it's up for do you want to run down that list yeah absolutely all right so we have uh best performance by an actor in a supporting role which is whoa 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 whoa. this picture oh i was just gonna go down in alphabetical order all right we we can we we can do best picture first no i apologize i withdraw the complaint please continue um cody schmidt mcphee which is pete the kid uh best adapted screenplay jane campion mm-hmm. best achievement in directing jane campion mm-hmm. best now, mo- what it, I, I believe this she's also this is also only the first or second time i think it's the first time that a female director has been nominated for best picture twice Oh really? Something like that. There's a lot of firsts this year, uh, because because the, the 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 elderly white gentleman's club is finally acknowledging <laughs> that they got to start giving. You know, after, after uh, what's his face that was a fucking asshole to his wife, ex-wife, uh, when she won for. Um, oh, to James Cameron. For yeah, Hurt Locker. That, that douche nozzle. Oh, this year I guess a woman had the win. No, this year the best director won. Asshole. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, because their their fil- his film Avatar was up against hers that year, two thousand nine, and, and, and his film was shit. <laughs> and didn't he also say something stupid like it would have been better if it had CGI in it or or it was three D? No, what, what, didn't what he say something dumb about he, that for the Hurt well, Locker? He basically, he basically said like, well, you know, this year they had to give it to the low tech film or the female film because last year they gave it to the. Be- it's like, dude, dude, just be. Uh, you know, when these fucking guys open their mouths and the <laughs> shit comes out. I mean, it probably didn't help that um, it's why I don't Catherine Bigelow was uh, his ex-wife. No, it <laughs> definitely didn't help. But, I mean, that's why I don't follow, like, entertainment news. Because, I, I, uh, what is it? It's just assholes. Yeah. Asshole, and occasionally a nice guy you feel bad for. Right. Like Alan Tyduck. 
You know? Yeah. Alex no. Tatum. Whatever. 2D. The guy from 2D. Whatever the fuck. The guy with the weird last name that everybody likes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but continue. But you don't like him? No, I love him. Oh, oh. How he's, do you not love him? He, oh, I love him. I think he's, he's great. Like one of the he's one of the few actors that you're not gonna, that you're not scared that gonna, you're going to find out he was like banging fourteen year olds or something. <laughs> I mean, he's got that show. Je- uh, Jesse Franco broke a lot of fucking hearts. I'm sorry. <laughs> ja- James, not Jesse. Same thing. Sure. Um, he's in that show, that alien, Jesse that Marsh. Frank- Jesse Franco is a, uh, an Italian director of uh, exploitation horror. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, he's in that. Uh, what is it? The, the Alien. Uh, Mar- Resident Alien. Resident Fucking, Alien. Yeah, great show. I haven't great watched show. any of it, but I've DVR'd all of them. Oh, it's funny as shit. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You're on the right track. <laughs> um. So it's up for best motion picture of the year. Yep. And there is five producers. If it wins, five people are getting statues. That's crazy that there's yeah. that many producers for this. Has a lot of knickknacks. Yeah. Uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role. Um, oh, the, the creepy kid, right? Jesse Plemons. No, oh, the movie has two best supporting actors. Beth Damon's not getting an ask, act, Oscar for this film. I'm sorry. No, I no. I like him as an actor. I'm not I'm not mocking him by using that name. I just think it's more appropriate than his real name. Right. Uh, best performance by an actor in a leading role, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I haven't seen you know. Between right now, so far, he's my he's my shoe in choice. Yeah, um, because everyone fucking loves him. Although I did watch King Richard and Will Smith is excellent in it. Will Smith again. Will he's Smith's a, excellent in everything except Gemini Man. So <laughs> that movie, uh, <laughs> that's Ang Lee, right? Probably. <laughs> probably Ang Lee. Wait, <laughs> shitty action film made in America by? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's probably Ang Lee. You can, you can show that alongside the fucking Hulk film. Thanks, Ang. <laughs> yeah, you made Chow Yun Fat Fly. That was pretty much the last thing, good thing you did. Wait, was that Ang Lee? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? No, that wasn't Ang Lee. No. Was it? No. Yeah, that wait, was Ang Lee. Wait, wait that was Ang Lee? <laughs> yeah, that was Ang Lee. Yeah, no, that was Ang Lee. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <sighs> it wasn't Chewy Hark. Not, no. Yeah. All right. That was all for your '80s martial arts fans. Now let's move on. To Everyone's the like, people. "Why? Who?" <laughs> um. So, like, you know, I've seen King Richard. Will Smith is excellent in it. He's overdue, like way overdue. Um, I don't want. To... I listen. I'm not making the prediction now because I, I haven't I seen them all I yet. But I, I would not be now. one bit surprised if Will Smith won Best Actor this year. Really, I would not be one. He was excellent in King Richard. It, he you makes know, that movie enjoyable. You know what? He's not retiring anytime soon. No. Let the guy do. Let, let him get earn his fucking Oscar. Okay. <laughs> uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role: Kirsten Dunst. Best achievement in production design. Best sound. Production design is probably going to be up for. Mm-hmm. Sound, I haven't a clue. Now, sound usually goes to a you know, superhero movie. Yeah. Um, best achievement in cinematography, probably. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely worthy of that nomination. Yeah. Beautifully shot film. Best achievement in film editing. Having a clue. And best achievement uh, in music written for a motion picture or original score, which I thought the score on this was really good. I really did. I thought that it 
it set up scenes like music. It set up scenes really well. It was functional. I, I, I'm not, it, but I, I nothing about it blew me away. But I, but again, music's not my thing. Yeah. Uh, you know. So. I mean, when when I do my my ballot, you know, I'll, I'll like I always do. I mm-hmm. will really consider everything. So those are all twelve nominees. I mean, it's uh, what, the fr- it's the front runner. It's the favorite. It's got the it, most nominations. It is again. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to rate this? Uh, I, I'd be fine with a solid eight on this. Really, but drive my car. You wouldn't. You wouldn't Fuck no that movie. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I did. Sorry, too soon. Dude, too soon. Should, anything after it. Drive My Car is a goddamn masterpiece. I shouldn't have brought it up. I'm sorry, too soon. Um, <laughs> I'd drive my car over a fucking cliff if I had to watch that one again. There we go. Uh. I can't argue against an eight. I really, it's a great film. I um, mean, if you wanted to talk me into a nine, I, I think I'd be fine. You know what? But I think for that opening line, I, I, I think I it's a, a listen, this is what I explained to Mare because Mare was supposed to watch it with me and she didn't because the synopsis was, you know, love story. And right. she was like, oh, she likes, she loves the piano and she likes Jane Campion. So she'll probably enjoy this film anyway. But I told her, I said, listen, it's a good movie. I go, I don't think you'll love it, but I I think you'll watch it and maybe, you know, you won't care to watch it again. I was like, you're, you're going to be somewhere in the middle. You're not going to hate it, obviously. It's a too, what are you good, talking about? It's too good a movie. But I, he, but I told made, her, I go, I don't think you're going to love it either. Joey, he emotionally tortures a woman through the entire film. It's a lifetime movie of the week. She'll love it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, but I, I agree with you. I would say uh, I'm okay with an eight. Uh, I, I, wow, uh, the average review is six point nine. Yeah, pretty low. A lot of guys out there weren't expecting to see his dick. <laughs> um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a ninety-three percent on the critic side. I definitely see that. And it's eighty-one percent on the audience score. So it's, I mean. Listen, I, you know, I, I kind of consider. Would you consider this an art house film? I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything I, by I, Campion I is is pretty much art house. Yeah. So so again, art house films. Your your critics and your audience generally are going to agree because usually they're the same people. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're the same t- type of mindset. You know, you're not dealing with other films where you have a critic and then you have the average person who doesn't think like. A film critic exactly so anybody that watches our house films is going to think more critically about films it's, yeah. it's not about smart or dumb it's just about how you approach a film passive viewer or active viewer that's all mm-hmm. and this yeah, is no uh bad, no bad guys this no is bad guys. Uh, this except, is except except james Cam- except um yeah james cameron uh yeah he's a dick yeah, um yeah. and of course you know he's just he's fucking so such a charmed life as far as the movies that he makes yeah avatar comes out which by the way is the last movie he fucking made and then the last movie he made before that was 12 years earlier with titanic well so he's because they're still working on avatar two three and four and five and and here's the thing he's he will have made three movies in 25 years to to i want james cameron to go the same way I want Elon Musk to go, <laughs> except Elon Musk would be in space 
and James Cameron would be underwater <laughs> in one of his little Titanic searching pods, uh-huh. but they'd both end the same way. They look at the camera, you hear something crack, and they go, what the? And then black. <laughs> and that's the last time anybody sees him. <laughs> but where no, I, problem, no problem with that scenario. Where, where I was... Where I was boycotting the news, so if that happens, please tell I me. I will let you know. Thank but you. here, here's the thing. Cameron... He releases uh, uh, Avatar in 2009, makes $3 billion, breaks all the records, number one movie, most ticket sales, like r- ridiculousness, mm-hmm. okay? Then Avatar 2 is going to come out, and not that it's going to break all those records, but it's going to make a fuck ton of money because he's going to release it, which will be beneficial to him and the film's release. Releasing Spider-Man in December, right before a COVID surge, was a pretty bold move by Sony, and it made almost three hundred million its opening weekend. If if Cameron actually hired some screenwriters for this second one, maybe it'll be good. I, you know, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I, if I saw the first one in the theater, I got to at least watch the second one. You know. Oh well, of course. Um, that was the dawn of this podcast too. I think that was like episode seven or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the early ones, yeah. Um, But I believe Avatar 2 is coming out. Is it coming out in 2022? Is it coming out this Christmas? Don't care. Listen, you know, COVID numbers are are way, way down. All I know is Death of the Nile is coming out, and I'm stoked, and that's all I care about. Well, COVID numbers are way, way down, and I'm just so happy that they are for when the Batman comes out in two weeks. I, I, I'm I'm never going into a theater again, <laughs> unless someone wants me to watch a film with them. I just don't enjoy having people around me anymore. I'm done. That's it. I'm done. Well, done. I mean, you're supposed to be wearing a mask the whole time. I, it's not the mask. It has nothing to do with the virus. It just has to do with fucking people. Oh, I see. It's just the people. <laughs> I'm not I'm not afraid to get sick. I'm afraid of these fun fucking people talking to me or something. <laughs> Um, but that's me. Well, we, we got tickets for the Batman and we're doing it. Um, we're doing it the Saturday and we're doing the AMC dining. So it's the big seats and it's, the seats are far apart from each other. So I'm looking forward to seeing all three hours of the Batman. My wife, my son and I went to see scream at a dining theater and it cost me like fucking 90 dollars jesus christ dude they're ordered they're ordered like three or four things off the menu i'm like what the fuck are you doing get a popcorn <laughs> let me like, tell you oh, something let's, let's get the chicken let's try the best like god damn it <laughs> we uh and i wasn't gonna get anything right like they bring you popcorn in bowls but then holly ordered popcorn and it came in a bag i was like oh fuck now i have to order popcorn <laughs> <laughs> Um, the AMC dining for the Batman, it's a 12:30 showing. It's actually the first showing of that Saturday, so it's a matinee. Uh-huh. Even though it's 12:30, it's a little late for a matinee for my old school days of going to the movies, but I'll take it. I'm paying $10 to see this movie and my kids are paying 8. I'm very I'm I'm dude, I'm only paying 36 bucks to see the Batman. So, I yeah, was I-, I was I was blown away. I'm like, shit. Gonna go see a two hundred million dollar movie for, for thirty six dollars. I I I'm honestly pretty much com- convinced that uh, I will never leave the house of my own free will again. Oh, 
It, it will only be at the behest of others. Okay. I'm sorry. That's just me. It has, no, it has nothing to do with COVID. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 end the show because yes, yes. Let's, let's for get, the love of God. Let, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> My God. De- making me depressed. <laughs> Why? I, I, I see it as a positive thing. <laughs> yeah, you and Howard Stern, you won't leave the house at all. <laughs> really? You gotta, now, now I'm depressed because you compare me to Howard Stern. Listen, right. you two Fun. are doing the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, just, I he knew, lives in Fun. He lives where? He lives in New York. No, 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 no. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Movies Octastic, <laughs> episode 362. Uh, it's the second Oscar film, The Power of the Dog. Uh, go to our website at MoviesOctastic.com, listen or download the show there. You can go to iTunes and you can do the same thing. You can go to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash MoviesOctastic. If you want to leave, leave us email, the address is TheMovieGuys at MoviesOctastic.com. If you want to leave us voicemail, it's 908-514-4470. If you would like to download the app to listen to the show, you can go to you can go to moviesoctastic.com/mst.apk or you can download your favorite app for podcasts and just do a search for moviesoctastic and we come right up. Do you have any words of wisdom, Mr. Wilson? Suck me, Bronco. Huh? What? I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? I... What are we doing? Wait, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right there. Fuck me, Bronco Henry. Fuck me. Holy shit. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know how to end this. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye.